0: All right, hey, why don't we pray and then we'll go ahead and, and get into the message. God, we, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning. And Lord, now we come to your word and we just open ourselves wide up this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and teach us, that you would come and guide us into truth. We're just broken before you, Lord. We're open before you. We just want to say, come and have your way. Do whatever it is in us you want to do this morning, uh, whether it's an encouragement, whether it's a challenge whether it's to comfort us, whether it's to rebuke us, whatever it is, Lord, we're open to it. We're ready for it. And we're just willing to receive from you. And uh, we we pray that you'd change us through your word. Come and speak to us through it. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart would be acceptable in your sight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, if you were here last week, we're starting the series in the book of Joshua. And if you weren't here last week, it would be a good idea to get that CD, to get the uh, recording. You can get it on podcast too, by the way, really good way of getting the messages. If you've got an iPod, uh, it's it's a great way because it'll just pull in. If you subscribe to the Shore Community Christian Church podcast, it just pulls in the most recent episode. So uh, if you weren't here last week, get that because what we did there is we painted the bird's eye view of Joshua, how it sits in the context of the whole biblical narrative, the whole thing. And just try to put it in its place in the big story so that when we dive into it this morning you've got, you got some sense of how this thing works um, overall. So, so grab that at some stage and listen to that message if you haven't already. The other thing, I didn't mention it last week, but be, be reading this book. Uh, it's really helpful, 24 chapters. It doesn't take that long to read it, maybe an hour or so. But if you, if you have the time, well even if you don't have the time, try and make the time. Uh, maybe a chapter a day, maybe in one sitting, however it works with your time and your schedule. But go through this book on your own. Have a read of it. Uh, pour through it, because then you will come on Sundays with an understanding and some familiarity with what we're already talking about. And so it'll make a bit more sense to you and you'll be able to piece it together. So it would be good because we'll be in this book for a while. So it'd be good for you to be working your way through it as well. So what you're doing in your own connecting times with God is integrating with what we're doing here on Sundays. So today, we're going to jump straight into Joshua chapter 1, uh, pull out your Bible if you've got one, uh, but in fact, what I'll get you to do this morning, we're going to read, we'll just read this chapter. It's only 18 verses, so it's not, it's not ridiculously long, and uh, here's what we'll do. I will read this chapter, but there are some words on the screen which are in bold, okay? When we get to the words in bold, we're all going to say it together. Can we do this? You're, you're an intelligent group, I believe in you. Um, I think I've made it obvious enough which is the bold and which is not the bold. So we'll see how we go. So even if you're following along in your Bible, just glance up enough to figure out the bold parts. You ready? Okay. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan. Here And to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. Or your own. But to the Reubenites, good tribe there, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, ready for battle must cross over ahead of the other Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you, east of the Jordan, toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, is to be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Did you notice a pattern there at all? Did you pick anything up? Be strong and courageous four times in one chapter. That's, that's the whole theme of this first chapter in Joshua. That is the, that's the motif that just keeps cropping up and up and up. Three times God says it. Uh, one time the people say it back to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong. Only be strong and courageous. It just keeps coming, keeps coming. And when you understand the situation that Joshua faced in this chapter, it becomes clear why God has to keep saying to him, be strong and be courageous. The book of Joshua picks up, right where the book of Deuteronomy left off. So Deuteronomy ends with Moses uh, passing away on this mountain called Mount Nebo. He's overlooking the land of Canaan. uh, And finally, he passes away without being able to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And that's that's where Moses dies. And Moses has loomed really large over the last four books of the Bible. He has been this this illustrious leader of Israel. He's called the servant of the Lord. He's the one that God has spoken through. I mean, he led the Israelites through the Red Sea. He led them to Mount Sinai. He received the law from God. I mean, Moses Moses was the man. He was God's man. And Joshua has kind of come up underneath Moses. He's been Moses' protege. He's been the general of the Israeli army. He's been uh, Moses' Uh, assistant. He's called in Joshua 1 Moses aide, but that makes him sound more like, a, more like a secretary or a PA. I mean, he was, he was really the commander of the army. He, he was the, the second in charge. And now Moses has finally passed away. And the very first thing that happens in the book of Joshua is that God turns to this new leader of Israel, Yeshua, Joshua, and he speaks to him. God's only spoken to Moses so far. In the, in the whole journey of Israel, God's only spoken to this one person. So Joshua's had the luxury of being able to stand in Moses' shadow, but now Moses is dead. And Joshua's called to step up to the plate, and God now turns and speaks to Joshua in this incredibly um, frightening and incredibly daunting situation. I don't know whether, you've, whether you can remember a time recently when you've just been terrified of something. You've just being you know, your stomach churning. Uh, you just feel so, you know, your mouth, gets all dry, and your palms get all sweaty. Can you remember a time in your life where this has happened? You know the best thing to do in those times? Lick your palms. <laughs> really. Because if your mouth is dry and your palms are sweaty, you transfer <laughs> moisture. I don't know where that came from. But anyway, so Joshua's here. That was totally irrelevant. But Joshua's here, and, and, and he's the, the biggest challenge, really, that's faced the nation of Israel is still ahead of them. Uh, and God says to Joshua... Get ready because three days from now you're going to go and, and cross this Jordan River and you're going to take possession of the land. And he says it in a way that you and I would think, oh, well, that sounds, that sounds so easy. Uh, you're just going to go and cross this little meandering brook and walk into these lush green fields, pitch a tent and you'll be home. But, but summed up in that, in that, in that phrase that God says to Joshua, go and cross this Jordan River and take possession of the land. There's just a world of difficulty in there. And, and some incredibly formidable odds. For a start, the Jordan River was uncrossable. It was completely uncrossable. It's, it, it's not like, well, you know, the water's going to be up to my thighs and I'm going to have to put my bag on my head. And It's, gonna, it's not like that. It's, this is like absolutely uncrossable. You, it was just huge sheer cliff faces going down to this river. It was flood season, so several meters more uh, water than usual anyway, which was already several meters deep. Uh, it was just an absolute torrent of water coming through. You, just, you, did, you couldn't cross the Jordan River. It didn't happen. And then even if you got across the Jordan River taking possession of this land, I mean, there are all kinds of tribes there, all kinds of hostile people groups, these barbaric nations and, and cities and kingdoms, all of whom are not particularly well disposed to another foreign people group just wandering in and pitching a tent in the middle of the land. And so God says to Joshua, you're going to go across the Jordan River and you're going to take possession of the land. This is the single greatest challenge the children of Israel have faced. And here's Joshua stepping into this leadership role right at the point when they're about to undertake this incredibly difficult task. And that is why God says these words to Joshua that are peppered throughout his whole discourse. With this, with this constant refrain, be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. Because this is what Joshua needed to hear. And God begins, if you look in this, in this passage, God begins in verse 2 by simply recounting to Joshua his promises. There's not really, in these first few verses, there's not really any new information that you haven't already picked up if you've read Exodus, Leviticus, Thumbus, Deuteronomy. It's it's all been covered. But God simply turns to to Yeshua and he says, let me just go over my promises again. And and there's this wonderful uh, recapping of what God has already promised. He says, Joshua, I'm going to give you this land, physical terra firma, this piece of real estate, this lovely coastal strip on the Mediterranean. It's yours. It belongs to you everywhere you sit, your foot will be yours. You know, it's like this, like the Lion King, you know, everything the light touches, Simba. You know, you remember that name? It will be yours. That was my Lion King impersonation. But he says, that one's coming out for the second service, definitely. He says to him, Joshua, everywhere your foot touches, it's going to be yours. From here to here to here to here, the whole land, it's going to be given over to you. And he says, you are the guy that I've appointed and established as the leader of this nation. He he, he affirms Joshua's leadership. I mean, Joshua's already been anointed. He's already been commissioned. He's already been set apart, but God just comes back again and says, I want you to remember, you are the one I've chosen. You're going to be the leader of Israel. You are the man who who I've raised up to lead these people. He promises Joshua victory in battle. He says, no one is going to be able to stand against you, Joshua. People will try, but no nation that comes against you is going to succeed. And then he promises Joshua, maybe most significantly, he said, if God promises Joshua his own presence. He says, just as I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. That's an amazing promise. There's no, there's no crisis of authority here now that Moses has died. There's no breaking in the covenant. There's no breaking in God's presence. But just as I was with Moses, Joshua, so I'm going to be with you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Man, Joshua needed to hear that. He needed to receive that. He needed to listen carefully and drink in those promises because God doesn't just tell Joshua to, to suck it up. You know, he doesn't just tell Joshua just to lick his palms. He doesn't just tell Joshua, just be strong and courageous. Just get it together. Here's what you're going to do. God calls Joshua to be strong and courageous on the basis of the promises God has already made. This is where strength and courage come from. Strength and courage come through God's promises. They come through what God has spoken. Last year I was on a, on a plane coming back from Queenstown to Auckland. We'd just been away on holiday and, and I was just sitting there reading a book, minding my own business. Everybody else on the plane was doing the same thing. And all of a sudden, uh, this, this, this notice Came over. This voice came over the loudspeaker, ladies and gentlemen. Oxygen masks are going to fall from the uh, ceiling above you. Please take these masks and put them on immediately. Uh, true story. And people start looking around and thinking, "What's what's going on?" People start putting down their newspapers. Uh, start looking at one another what's happening and this voice continues ladies and gentlemen this is not a drill the oxygen mask will be falling down please place them over your mouth and if you have small children near you place them over their mouths as well and we're looking around wondering what's going on this was especially strange because we were still sitting on the tarmac <laughs> we hadn't we hadn't gone anywhere yet and this thing keeps going. It's like we are losing altitude, uh, cabin pressure is dropping, you know, please take the oxygen masks. And We just couldn't figure out what was happening. And then suddenly it stopped, really abruptly, and this very sheepish voice of a flight attendant came over the, the loudspeaker and said, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we accidentally pressed the wrong button. That should have been the safety demonstration video. By mistake, somebody pressed the cabin depressurization video. That's the one you got. Which made me wonder why they actually have a recording. You know, I mean, if you're heading towards the ground at, at lightning speed, you think that the captain could at least have the decency to come over and tell you himself, you know? Rather, but you know, because if that's happened, he's ejected a long time ago. He's like, <laughs> let's just push the button and these guys fend for themselves, you know? So, uh, but was, so we were still we were still on the tarmac. We hadn't even gone anywhere yet, but we we're all suddenly really shaken up. You know, I mean, it wasn't the most reassuring way to start to start your flight, you know, and uh, my confidence was was shaken suitably, so I think everybody 's was and it was, it was a smooth flight after that, but when something like that happens it doesn 't take much, does it to knock your confidence it doesn 't take much to zap your, zap your strength and if, it, if, you, if, you, if your courage can be shaken over something that 's stupid and that 's silly uh, it 's no surprise that when, when things actually do happen in life and when we actually do Go through difficulties and we do really experience pain. A lot of the time, the strength we thought we had just seems to fade away, it just seems to drain away. You know, we, we think we've just got it all together, and then something comes out of the blue, and all of a sudden, all the courage we thought we had it just, it just seems to melt away, and we're left feeling weak and, and, and feeble. You know, and, and some of you are in this place right now, some of you are going through things. It, it's impossible to be in a group of people this size and not have people right now who are going through the mill who are going through the furnace, who are in Joshua's shoes. And we're all there sooner or later. If you're not there today, eventually you will be. This is the nature of life. This is just real life, that sooner or later you're going to face some kind of a Canaan. Sooner or later you're going to face some sort of odds, and it might be a health issue. It might be a health issue in your family that just seems to turn everything upside down. And what you thought was certain, suddenly it's all thrown into jeopardy. You get the worst news of your life. Maybe you're waiting on the test results, and every day just seems like an absolute eternity. Maybe it's watching your, your kids go through incredibly difficult circumstances. Maybe it's watching your children make decisions that just take them closer and closer towards the edge of the cliff, and it just breaks your heart, and you just feel this incredible sense of helplessness. That's the kind of stuff. Now maybe it's when you get knocked back and back and back for job interview after job interview after job interview, and it does something to your self-confidence when that happens. It, makes, it, it calls into question. It makes you call into question who you are and the strength you thought you had. Maybe it's losing their contract at work and suddenly you, your job is in jeopardy and the mortgage payments don't have a big buffer behind them. And, and, and any strength we had just seems to fade away. And we're left feeling incredibly weak, and incredibly frail. And what we tend to do in those times is we try and kind of muster up the courage. Have you tried to do it? We try and muster up the strength and just tough it out. You know, we try and act like Rambo, but inside we're feeling like Winnie the Pooh. You know, we're just feeling so small. But we kind of try and just, you know, we're going we're to be strong and tough and we try and talk to ourselves and give ourselves a little motivational pep talk and that kind of thing. But it's a lot of the time that feels pretty fake, doesn't it? It's hard to do that. It's hard to contrive courage. It's hard to contrive strength when when things are suddenly so uncertain in your life. It's really hard just to muster up the courage. It's kind of like trying to suck up a thick shake through a straw. It just doesn't really want to come and you can't quite be the person you want to be. And God, I think, knew this about Joshua, that he couldn't just pull strength and courage out of thin air. And so God doesn't just tell him to suck it up and tough it out. He calls them to be strong and courageous on the basis of these promises that God has made. Strength and courage come through God's promises. Strength and courage need a source. Courage needs a source. It, it can't just come out from, from, from you. You can't just make it up. You can't just summon it. It's got to come from someplace else. It's got to come from an external source. And that external source is the promises of God. It's the covenant God who is faithful and is the same yesterday, today and forever. The unchanging God who speaks to us and makes promises to us that are absolutely rock solid. And just as he said to Joshua, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you just as I was with Moses. So I'm going to be with you. That's not just a promise for Joshua. It's not just a promise made to that person thousands of years ago it's a promise that's repeated at the other end of scripture in Hebrews 13:5 where God says the same thing through the writer of Hebrews he says never will I leave you never will I forsake you it's a promise God makes to you and I that he will be faithful to us that he will not break his word doesn't matter what you're going through this morning Doesn't matter how dark the valley is, doesn't matter how deep the ravine is, doesn't matter how black the night seems to be, God is not going to give up on you. God is not going to turn His back on you. He's made a promise to you, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And He is a God of unbelievable faithfulness, even when we turn away from believing it. Even when we go our own stupid way and just try and figure it out ourselves and drift far from God, he remains faithful. He remains rock solid. God does not give up on his people. If there's one thing Joshua teaches us, God does not turn us back on his people. And he hasn't turned us back on you this morning. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't gone away, despite all the evidence to the contrary. See, this is where the battle is between what you see with your eyes and what seems to be the case and what God has spoken. And sooner or later, you're going to have to decide what you believe. You're going to have to decide which voice you're going to listen to. The voices swirling around in your head, the voices of all the people that are trying to give you advice, or the voice of the covenant God who has spoken eternal truths captured in His Word, that speak down through the corridors of time right into your situation today. I will never, ever leave you. I will never, ever forsake you. Even when you see a family member struggling with terrible health issues and fading away before your eyes, God says to you, I will never leave you. I haven't given up on them and I haven't given up on you and I know it's incredibly hard, but I'm right here with you. God formed you in the womb. He's walked with you every day of your life. He's been there all along. He's been faithful to you, even when you were far from him. And he's going to keep being faithful to you until your dying day. Even when the finances are in jeopardy and and there's so much stress, stress and so much pressure, and you just feel, some of you are right there this morning, you feel like you're being ground down by life and you're just being crushed under the weight of so many things. And God is speaking to you and saying, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God doesn't break His word. He doesn't break His word. He's right there with you. He's walking beside you. And friends, what we need to do is cling to these promises. This is what's certain. When everything around you seems to be coming unstuck and nothing seems certain and nothing seems for real and everything seems changeable, this is what's dependable. It's the promises of the God Who is covenant faithful. It's the promises God has spoken. So when when you're waiting in the in the doctor's surgery, or you're waiting in the lawyer's office, or you're waiting in the principal's office, or the principal's office of your kids, these are the promises you need to cling to. God's made a lot of promises, but central among them is this promise of his presence to you. Don't just reach for the woman's day magazine. But reach for the promises of God and and soak your mind in them and choose to listen to that voice. That's what God is trying to sear on Joshua's mind. Joshua, there's going to be a lot of voices in your head and outside of you that are going to try and tell you a million different things. But I'm telling you today, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And God is faithful. Despite all the evidence to the contrary, he's faithful. And we need to start standing on the promises of God. And if you're going to stand on those promises, you need to know them. You need to be familiar with them. This is why God says these next words that he says to Joshua in verse 7. The next two times that God says to Joshua, be strong and be courageous. It's in the context of talking about this thing called the book of the law. And God presses it on Joshua. You need to have this book of the law beside you. It needs to be your constant companion. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to obey everything written in it. That book of the law was most probably everything uh, that that our Bible contains up to Joshua. Not just the the Ten Commandments, not just the law that, that Moses gave at Mount Sinai, but the whole of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, because it had been recorded and recorded and recorded. It might not have been in its final edited state, but this was what was now passed on to Joshua. This was important because when you think about it, Joshua and Caleb were the only two people left from their whole generation going into the land of Canaan. Because several years ago, they'd they'd brought back this good report about the land and the rest of the spies brought back a bad report and God said to them, only Joshua and Caleb of their whole generation, are going to go into the land. Everyone else is going to pass away. And it'll be your children that, that inherit the land. And you imagine what this must have been like, walking through the desert for 40 years, and, and one person passes away, and their bones are gathered up, and someone else... And Joshua watched his, his, entire, uh, his entire generation, one after another, pass away, In the wilderness, year after year, one would die, then another would die, and then another would die. And as he stands here on the plains of Moab overlooking the land of Canaan, Joshua and Caleb are leading their children's generation. And these these Israelites, these children of Israel, they'd never been slaves in Egypt. They weren't the ones that crossed over the Red Sea. It was their parents. They hadn't stood at the foot of Mount Sinai when Moses went up and came back down with the Lord. They hadn't been part of that whole golden calf incident. These were children who all they'd known was the desert life. That's all they'd had. They'd just grown up in this Sinai wilderness, wandering as a nomadic people, pitching tents, eating this hideous food called called manna. That's all they had known. And that's why this book of the law was so important. Not just to give them a list of do's and don'ts, not just to tell them do this and don't do that, but to keep their story alive. So that as they wandered through the desert and and they felt the sand between their toes, they would remember the promise God made to their father Abraham, that just as, as the sand on the seashore, so numerous will your descendants be. And as these children of Israel... Uh, lay awake at night looking up at the stars, they'd remember God saying, and they'd, because they'd read God saying to Abraham, just look up at the stars, and that's how numerous your descendants are going to be. That's how the Israelites got a sense of who they were. Through being taught this book of the law, it gave them a sense of where they'd come from. And that told them who they were. And that gave them confidence for where God was taking them so that they weren't going to just cross this Jordan River and undertake a military campaign. They saw this as the fulfillment of God's promises because they'd read about it, because they'd been taught about it, because they'd listened to their parents teaching them time and time again from this book of the law. And that gave them a way of understanding what was going on. That's why God says you need to keep this book alive. Because it's your story. It's your shared story. And it's ours as well. What this book of the law was to Israel, this book is to us. It's our story. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. So many people think that. I was corresponding with someone the other day on a particular issue and she wanted some ammunition for a particular argument and so she said to me, hey, can you give me some verses on this, on this issue? I need some verses. And I know what she was meaning and, and, and it's all good, but it kind of portrays a particular way of looking at this book. Like it's just a list of verses, you know? It's just like a bullet-pointed list of abstract propositional statements that don't really connect to each other, but just give me some ammo for my argument. That's most of the time what we want when we go to the Bible. It's the wrong way of approaching it. It's the wrong way of seeing it. This is our story. This is the great sweeping story of the covenant God being faithful to His people throughout all generations, and it should have the same effect on us that it had on the people of Israel, keeping our story alive so that we know who we are. This is how we get a sense of our identity. We are those who God has redeemed. We're those who inherit the legacy of the children of Israel, whose lives have been purchased at the cross, who now stand in this covenant with God. And we see where God is taking history. We see that the day is coming when He's going to wipe away every tear from our eye and there's going to be no more death and mourning and crying and pain. And we can see all that. We know that's the final chapter of human history. And all of that, that great story, that great narrative, it should give you confidence to live in this moment. It should give you a sense of eternity when all you can see is this issue and this difficulty and this heartache that you are going through right now. What this book does is lifts you up to a higher altitude so that you can look down on your situation the way Isaiah describes it as mounting up with wings like eagles that we can soar over our circumstances. God doesn't promise to deliver you from your circumstances, but he promises to put wind under your wings so that you can rise up with wings like eagles and you can see what's going on in the context of the whole redemptive drama that is outworking itself from creation to new creation. That's what this book does. And so, friends, I'm telling you, if you're going through difficulty this morning, if you're right in the middle of that blackness, that suffocating darkness, cling to this book cling to it. Don't let yourself drift away from it. Don't just try and tough it out. Don't just try and try, don't even just try and pray about it without praying in the context of the scriptures and praying the promises that God has actually spoken. You need to cling to this word. Just as Joshua was commanded to do meditate on it day and night never let it be far from your lips, never let it be far from your mind. We need to be a people of the book. And even if you're not going through the mill this morning, get into the word of God so that when those difficult times come, it's right there, it's in your mind, it's in your heart, and, and it just comes out of you. That's what this is for. It's our story. And there have been times in my life when you know, I've just faced really difficult circumstances and just had incredible anxiety, and one of the things that Anna and I committed ourselves to doing years and years and years ago, when we, way back when we were teenagers, is we, we memorized a book of the Bible, a couple of books of the Bible. I'm not saying this to boast at all, but it's just something we did as teenagers. And, and there are a couple of books in there, and they're pretty fuzzy now, and I, I couldn't really recite them very well, but they're kind of just there. And it's amazing, in the times that I've really gone through some valleys, the way that that just starts to come back. I remember one morning in particular just sitting down and I was just feeling rock bottom. And I just started reciting as best I could and then reading the parts I couldn't of one book. And it didn't even particularly specifically relate to what I was going through, but just through reading it, this is what nourishes our soul. This is the food. This is the power. And through doing that, I just felt my anxiety levels just subsiding again. And God just restoring a calm and a peace and that assurance... He's in control. In the middle of of a hideous situation, He's in control. You've got to cling to this book. Make it your life. Internalize it. Just get a handle on it. It starts just in the easiest of everyday routine, just by reading, just by soaking it up, just by memorizing it. And it's amazing the way God honors that in those times you need to recall it. Those scriptures will come to mind. But they're not going to come to mind if you haven't already hidden the word in your heart. It's got to be in there. It's why it's called the sword of the spirit. It's the greatest weapon you have against the voices of darkness that are going to rob you and destroy you and cheat you and steal everything away from you. And you've got to be prepared. This is our weapon. This is how it was with Joshua. And God says, keep this book of the law close to you. Families, have devotions with this book. Couples, talk about what you're learning in this book. Find someone else that you can share your insights with and make it a part of the rhythm of your everyday life, to be absorbing the story. And then finally, God finishes speaking to Joshua, and Joshua then speaks to the people. And there's two speeches that Joshua gives here. First, he speaks to the majority of Israel, who are going to go over and possess this land, but then he does something else. Uh, In verse 12, he speaks to this particular group within Israel uh, that's called the Transjordan tribes, and you'll get to know them a little better as the story goes on. But when, when Moses first carved up the land, which he did in advance, quite, quite a presumptuous in a way, but he sort of divided the whole thing up and said, when we get there, you'll have this, and Dan will have this, and Reuben will have this, and Gad will have this, and Manasseh will have it, and on it went. And so the whole thing was already plotted out. And at that time, Two and a half tribes came up to Moses and they said, Now, with this whole land, we actually like the look of the land east of the Jordan. And technically, that's outside of the land of Canaan that God had promised us. But what we figure is it's a really nice land, and also that would allow more space for the rest of the tribes inside Canaan. And we'd be right next door anyway, just across the river. And and Moses was fine with this, so he had allotted the tribe of Gad, the tribe of Reuben, and half the tribe of Manasseh land east of the Jordan. Now, here's the deal. When Joshua and the Israelites get to their current location in the plains of Moab, they're already in the area those two and a half tribes were going to inhabit. You see the situation? So for those two and a half tribes, they really don't have any motivation to cross the Jordan, to go into Canaan, to deal with all of these hostile, barbaric tribes, because they're already home, They're already here. So it would be perfectly understandable if their attitude was, hey, why don't the rest of you go, deal with the enemies, settle down over there, and we'll be right next door. We'll come over for coffee once everything's sorted out. You know. And so Joshua's got a challenge now in front of him because he needs the whole nation to march across the Jordan. He needs Israel to be united, he, and God has required that the nation is as one, that they go and they take the land together. And so Joshua's got this real challenge to his leadership right up front here. And he says to these tribes, we need all of your fighting men to come across the Jordan with us. I know that, that you're not coming into land that you're eventually going to settle in, but we need you with us. You've got to fight with us and then you can return when it's all done and you can settle down at home again. And there's this tenuous moment here for Joshua, because if, if, if it goes bad at this point and these tribes say, thanks, but no thanks, the whole campaign's over before it started. You've got a fractured nation and Joshua was only taking two thirds of the people in with him. And so you have at the end of Joshua chapter 1 the response of these Transjordan tribes to Joshua when he puts this proposition to them. They say this back to him. Verse 16, Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, is to be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. What a moment for Joshua. What a fantastic moment, this pledge of unity, this pledge of support for his leadership. And what an incredible thing it must have been to hear these Transjordan tribes speak back to him, the very words that God had just said to him. Be strong and courageous. Now he's hearing it not from Yahweh, but from his own people, saying to him, be strong and courageous. Because strength and courage come through God's people. God could have given Israel victory with just nine and a half tribes. He could have given you victory in your life just as a solitary, isolated individual, but that's not his plan. God's plan, his design, his architecture of the human experience is that as you go through the valley, there are others walking alongside you. That you go through it with your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. That's why this community of faith that God called the church, that He set up to bear His name in the world. This is His delivery system for strength and courage in your life. This is how He means to really get it in there. Yes, it'll come through His promises. Yes, it'll come through His Word. But it's handed to us and it's spoken to us and it's, it's put into us by the people of God. That's, that's why the church is called the body, so that when one part hurts all the parts hurt together. When one part rejoices, all the parts rejoice with it. And there's nothing more encouraging than seeing this happen in real life. And I, and I see it in, in your experiences, times when, when one person will really go through just an incredibly awful and awkward time and, and there'll be just one or two others that come in. You see this constantly. Like, like a wounded bird and others, two others will just come alongside to, to guide it safely to ground. Not a whole tribe of people, but just one or two others. They'll move in and they'll comfort, they'll encourage, they'll be there, they'll be on call and they'll just guide this wounded member of the body to ground. And this is, I mean, we can't always share these stories because they're not always appropriate to share, but this happens all the time in this community of faith. Someone is going through an incredibly difficult period in their life, someone's struggling with a terminal illness and there'll just be others that move in. And they will just sit there by the bedside and they'll be with that person until their final breath. That's that's the body of Christ. That's what God's trying to press on Joshua. You can't do this alone. Friends, don't alienate yourself from the community of faith. Don't alienate yourself from the people of God. Because when the pressure comes and times get hard and you go through the valley, you're going to need people around you. You're going to need a band of brothers. You're going to need a band of sisters that you can pull really, really close. And if you haven't got them yet, start looking now. Put it on your radar. Start talking to people. If you're going through that belly right now, you need to pull some people around you, people that can encourage you, people that can speak these words to you. Be strong and courageous. Not not, not people who are going to fix you, not people who are going to be Dr. Phil, but just people who will encourage you and just to be present with you and just read Joshua chapter 1 to you. That's, hard. That's, that's, that's most of it, isn't it? Just being there and just speaking the promises of God. Don't separate yourself from that community. And if you're part of the 20% and things are going okay for you right now, there's someone in your life who needs you to speak this to them. There's a Joshua that needs to hear these words from you. Don't don't wait for someone more spiritual. Don't wait for a church leader. Don't wait for someone else. There is someone in your life who's a Joshua who needs you to speak some of these words to them, who needs you to read Joshua 1 to them, who needs you to show up, email, text, call, send a card, do something, be there with them. They're relying on you. They're counting on you. And we need to pitch in and do this because eventually you will be the one that needs to draw on the resources of other people. This is the community of faith. This is how God's designed strength and courage to come. When there's people around you that are holding you accountable, who are praying for you, it puts strength and steel in your bones. And so here is God on on the eve almost of this incredible journey into the promised land telling Joshua, Joshua, you've got to be strong and courageous. Joshua had already Become the general of Israel's armies. He'd already been anointed. He'd already seen the glory of God. He'd already led Israel into battle. But here God just reminds him, you've got to be strong. You've got to be courageous. And he says it over and over and over again. And I think if Joshua needed to hear it four times in one chapter, it's probably okay that you and I need to hear it a lot as well. And we need to hear it from each other. And we need to hear it from God's word. And we need to hear the Spirit speaking this to us.